how Sedra in Pasha's Korach tries to get behind Korach's motivations, and the trigger is by Yikach Korach, and Korach took. So one of the reasons the Medrash gives, what gives him the license to challenge Moshe Rabbeinu, one of them is this Medrash. Vayikach Korach, the Medrash says, his eye misled him, his visual acuity. When he looked ahead into his progeny, who was going to come out of his children, he saw a chain of great lineage. I'm quoting from the Medrash. Moshe v'yaron b'koyanav. This is the Shlomo Kalabach rendition. After Lechunaranunu, we say seven capital to Hillim before Lechot Dodi. One of them is Psalm 99. Moses and Aaron among his priests. And Shmuel? Why is David Amelech? comparing Shmuel to Moshe and Aaron. But out of all the prophets in our liturgy, we cite this Psalm 99, in which the level of Shmuel is so high that he's compared uh, to Moshe and Aaron. So my question is, Korach looks into his future and he sees Moshe and Aaron equaling Shmuel from that Pasuk. Moshe and Aaron Bakoyanov Ushmuel Bakurishmo. So Shmuel is on the level of Moshe and Aaron in proclaiming the name of God. And in Jeremiah 15:1 it says, Vayoma Adonai Eli, God said to me, Jeremiah. If Moses and Samuel would stand before me, I would not even be won over. This is Jeremiah 15, the, the gloom and the doom. Even if you were going to bring me Moshe and Shmuel, I won't be moved. Get them out of here. I want them out of Eretz Yisrael. But no, notice that he uses two prophets, and he equates Moshe with Shmuel. And so this is what Korach sees that gives him his license to challenge Moshe. My great-great-grandson is going to be someone who in the Torah is equal in status to you. And therefore, maybe I am in equal status to you. Do you see how the Medrash is putting it together? Korach saw that through the Ruach HaKodesh that he would also have 24 Mishmarot of descendants who would participate in the Beis HaMikdash. And so he concludes from this vision that he himself was a world-class righteous individual, a tzaddik yesod olam, and therefore he's willing to take his chances with the Keturah's challenge. So that is what gives Korach his license. And we have to come back to that in the end and to see. So we have to then go and say, okay, well, let's, let's look at Shmuel. <laughs> what, what, what makes Shmuel so great? And so we have to go back to the ascension scene of Shmuel. Well, how was Shmuel born? And we know that at Shiloh, his mother, Hannah, in a cute sense of isolation, and her 
sister wife's tormenting, Penina's tormenting. She goes to Shiloh, she goes to the temple, and she implores the Rabbi Shalom. And she prays fervently that if God will grant her a son, a male child, she'll give that child back to God after weaning him. Now, this prayer is observed by Eli HaKohen, Eli the high priest, who presumes her moving lips indicates that she is drunk. So Hannah is wrongly accused and wrongly judged by a second male character, first was her husband, and now by the priest. Hannah's prayers are answered by God, who remembers her in Shmuel Aleph, the very first chapter of, of Shmuel, just like he remembered Rachel and all the other barren women. And when she finally weans him, and she now fulfills her promise by relinquishing her to the Almighty. She brings him back to Shiloh, to Eli, with significant sacrifices to God. So let's look at those psukim, because they are critical. Okay, Shmuel Aleph. Vatalehu ima. She brings him up. It's interesting because the word Ola also means a sacrifice, but she is, in a sense, uh, sacrificing this boy forever. She's going to relinquish him to the priesthood. Kashegamalatu, as she had weaned him, when she had weaned him. But she didn't just bring him, she brought him up along with Parim Shlosha, Efa, Achaz, Kemech, Vagai, Yain, and all this sacrificial stuff. Three bulls, an afer, jar of wine. Vatavihu bait Adonai Shiloh, and she brings him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. Now look at those next two words. Vahanar Naar. What does that mean? Okay, so JPS translates it despite the boy being very young. We know he was young because it says Kasha Gamalatu, around two years of age. So what are you telling me, Vahanar Nar? So JPS says, although the boy was a, a boy, Alter writes, and the lad was but a lad. He was but a lad. And he says, it may be relevant that the term Nar, lad, is used here, just like it was used for Isaac when he is on the point of being sacrificed. So there is a hinting here of the Ola and her bringing him as an Ola and the Nar with Isaac being sacrificed as a Nar by Abraham. But that doesn't end there. Look at the next point. And after slaughtering the bull, and now they bring the Nar to Eli. So there's another insistence on that word now. Vatoman, she says, Bi Aduni Chai Nafshacha Aduni Aniha Isha Hanitsevatimcha. And she said, Please, my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who stood here beside you and prayed to God when you thought I was drunk. It doesn't say that. I'm that same woman. Now, there's going to be some kind of conversation between these two verses because. Between this verse and this verse, something doesn't sit right. She's saying, be Adonai, excuse me. What are you talking about? She's just bringing him 
to Ellie. So something went down between this verse and this verse where she gets really, really upset and says, Be Adoni, chai I mean, these are expletives. Adoni, excuse me. Be Adoni, chai Adoni. I was the one that prayed next to you. You thought I was drunk. What are you doing? What are you doing? Something very tragic was about to happen in which she then intervenes with Ellie to tell him, I'm the woman, and we don't know what it was. And then she adds, El Hanar hit Palalti. This is the very now I was praying for. This little pitskala here I'm bringing. So to understand the drama that's going on, we have to then move to the Gemara in Brachas. Because the Gemara in Brachas will fill out the gap that doesn't make sense. And the Gemara will look at the words, Vayishchatu et apar. There is some connection between the slaughtering of the par and bringing the nar to Eli that triggers this whole drama. So just let's look at that. And so the Gomorrah in Brochus 31 says, this is what's really going on. There's a whole halachic shaila. Omalahen Eli. Eli said, Kiru Koyen, when they brought up those things along with the boy. So Eli tells them, Kiru Koyen, call a priest. Let let the priest come and slaughter this for the Lord. Now, Shmuel, this little piskula from the Weitznecheder, sees them looking for a priest to slaughter the animal. So he says to them, What the hell are you going looking for a priest? The slaughtering of an offering performed by a non-priest is perfectly fine. So this goes into the whole Gemara and Chagiga about whether you can, whether Shechita is valid with a czar, whether it has to be a priest or it can be a non-priest. That's a whole sugya. It's a whole Gemara and Zvachim. It's a whole sugya of Shakopatariya. So now, Aisu Lekame De'eli. So they bring this little chutzpah boy and said, Amale, Manolaha. So Eli says to him, how do you know this? Where did you learn this from? So Amale, Shmuel says to him, and now he is, he's, he's t- he, they're having an argument like two adults in the base medrash. Miksim v'shochat ha-koyin. doesn't say in the posuk v'shochat ha-koyin. It says v'hikrivu ha-koanim siv. It says in the posuk, and the priest shall offer. <laughs> so just like the Gemara says, Remember, there are five stages in bringing a carbon, right? There are five different stages, the shechita, and it's only and further on that you need a koyin. Before that, the actual shechita itself, a shechita is okay with a czar, with a non-koyin. A very dramatic confrontation between Eli HaKoyen 
and a two-year-old. So what then takes place? Something very dramatic that explains the drama that's happening between the two verses. And what is that? Omale, Eli HaKoyen says to this little Weiznecheide kid, Meimer Shapir Komata, hot gelernt, gut. You learned it right. That's exactly how it learned. I would say that's how the Gemara talks, but this is 500 years before the Gemara. Shapir Komat. But this is written in the Gemara in Brochus. So this is the retroactive insertion between the two psukim of a conversation that, from the rabbinic imagination of what took place to explain why Hannah had to intervene in the next verse. Shapi Komat, hot good galant. Mihu, however, Moira Halocha Bifne Rabach You are guilty of ruling in the presence of a teacher. Now, in the Gemara, that is one of the biggest infractions. You have to show deference to those who taught you before. One of the ways is where you walk to the right, to the left, behind them. The other way is taking care of the Rebbe's needs. The other way is visiting the Rebbe on Yom and Tovim. And the other negative is you don't dare paskin a shaila, more halacha, in front of your Rebbe. And you just did this, you little pipsqueak. You just did that before me. Shop here. Shop here, come on. No, got hot, good galant. You may you were over an Issa, a big, big Issa, which is to be Moira Halacha Lifnei Rabo. In fact, we know this from the Chumash. We've had this with Moshe Rabbeinu, Eldad Ameda, etc. Okay. V'chol ha-Moira Halacha Lifnei Rabo Chayv Misa. Oh, my giddy aunt. This is what's going on in the drama between the two verses. <laughs> Between those two clauses was they brought the Nar to Eli to explain why he was criticizing the need to go and look for a Koyen. And as a result, Eli paskins that he is Chayev Misa. He is warranting the death penalty. And now coming. So now Hannah's coming back and crying before him. So now I can understand the reason for this dramatic exchange, which didn't make sense before. Okay. Fine. But in between that, before they brought him to Eli, he was going around saying, you don't need a coin, you don't need a coin. What the hell are you going around looking for a coin? We can bring it, it's fine. And then comes here in between these two psukim, the Gemara says that Eli paskins that he's chayiv misa, vatoyme, now she says, oi vavoy, are you kidding me? Bi adoni, chay adoni. I was the one that was davening. I was barren. I was being tormented by Pnina. I was davening to the Reboi for a, a baby boy. 
So Amale, so what does he say? He says something really cruel. He says, no, Shifki says, let me punish him. And I will beg for mercy. Okay. I'm going to kill him. Hi, Lisa. I'm going to, I'm going to do it. But I, what I will do is I will grant you, I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll daven to God. So you'll have another son who's greater than this. He won't be paskining Shilas in front of his Rebbe. He'll be great at this. So she says to him, and here comes the punchline. Back to that word nar. We had nar here. And now we realize why this is the light voice that keeps coming back. He wasn't just a baby. He was already a lad. And this lad was paskining Shilas. And so, so he says, don't worry about it. I'll, you'll, well, I'll kill him. You'll daven for a better one. I'll give you a better one. Then she says, no. I was davening for this now, this one. It's an absolutely dramatic episode in the early years of Shmuel Hanavi. He's Chayv Misa, Ellie wants to kill him, and she says, El Hanar Hazeh Now, let's just, just, let's dig a little bit deeper into that Gemara before I, I share with you my thoughts. The Gemara has a very interesting take. As we said, the Kainim are not associated with the actual shchit of the carbon, because the Pasuk says in Vayikra 4, 1-4, yodov al ola, he should lean his hands on the head of the ola, shall bring the blood. So the koanim are not mentioned in the association with the slaughtering, only concerning the leaning on the Rosh, and the reception of the blood in the, in the Kior. So this teaches us, the Gemara in Zvachim 32, that the slaughtering of the Korban may be performed by a Tsar. And so Shmuel Anovi was the one who had the privilege of teaching at very early age this Halacha. But because he pronounced the Halacha in the presence of Eli, who was the Kohen Gadol and the reigning authority of Am Yisrael, he wanted to put him to death. And one of the juices from this, the psukim that he was rendering because of smicha of Vayishchatu. Okay. Now, there are bewildering aspects to this whole narrative. Bewildering. So the Marsha in the Chudushia Goddess says, how could Eli have wished to punish Shmuel for rendering a lachic decision in the presence of his teacher when he's only, according to most Mephoshim, he's only two years old, because it says, Ad yigmal nanar, when the child is weaned. And according to Rashi, this means that he was 24 months old when he was weaned. That's when children typically stop weaning. So the Marshal quetches and says, Eli didn't intend for Shmuel to be punished by human hands, but Misa Bideshamayim. As the Gemara explains in Erevin, one who renders a lachic decision in the presence of his teacher deserves the death penalty, but it's only Misa Bidei 
and the Chidor in the Rosh David adds that a penalty, Midei Shemaim, does not depend on chronological age, but on knowledge. Ah, das is the Chiddush. You're not Chayiv Misa until you're a major, until you're Bar Mitzvah. So what are you telling me at age two? It doesn't make sense. Comes along the, the, the Chidor and says the most amazing Chiddush, Aram Venoro that when it comes to Misa Bidei Shemayim, there it's not related to how old you are, but how much knowledge you have. And apparently this kid was an Iloi, and therefore he knew, and therefore he was subject to that. If indeed, in Eli's opinion, Shmuel qualified to be punished with death by the hands of heaven for his actions, so then why did he agree to annul the punishment? Obviously he agreed because after she pleaded with him, he rescinded. How did Hannah's plea, El Hanar Palalti, this is the child that I prayed for, indicating that she had prayed specifically for this child and not another, influence Ellie's decree. Clearly, if the punishment was deserved, it shouldn't have been swayed by the mother's decree. And this is not answered anywhere. We have to come back full circle <laughs> to understand, if we can, the fact that there was some mitigation to Korach's claim that his progeny would end up with Shmuel. And we have to come back to the claim by the authors of Tanakh that Shmuel was on the level of Moshe and Aaron. And so I want to bring to you a Zoya Chodosh. A Zoya Chodosh is considered very late by the scholars. Zoya itself is considered 12th, 13th century by most scholars, although it purports to be Rabbi Shimon by Yochai from the second century. Don't want to get down into that rabbit hole. But everyone agrees that Zoya Chodosh is a kind of medrash, a medieval medrash. And Rabbi Akiva is walking along the path, Holchim Baderech, with Rabbi Elazar. Rabbi Elazar is the son of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yechai, so they're, they're walking. This idea of the Tanoim walking and discussing whilst walking has a lot of significance. They're walking. In the Gemara, it never says they're walking. <laughs> they're in the base medrash and they're, and they're learning. But Oyster suddenly, Bocha Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva bursts out crying. Avalei Rabbi Eliezer, amai bechata. Excuse me, why are you crying, Rabbi Akiva? Lama atabocha. Amalei, so he says, oi l'dor she'yiu yusomimcho. Woe is to the generation from who will come yusomim, meaning there will be a generation in the future full of orphans. Amalei Rabbi Eliezer, al tomakach. Don't say that because there's a, a posuk. Kilo Alman Israel. Am Israel never becomes orphaned. Ella Vailadorshi Yusomim Beliav, Belichachamoira, Velotalmin Hoga, Vyom Yovobik Fisamashika. Okay, so he's he amended his statement to saying, okay, woe is to the generation. He's trying to explain his grief, his anticipatory grief. Woe is to the generation that will have orphans without. Fathers without Talmidi Chachomim, without teachers, without Talmidim Hugon. Hugon means people who are Talmidi Chachomim, but Hagun appropriate. The Yomim Yavov, and these days will come 
as the time of Mashiach will come. Today is the Yotzeit of Lubavitcher Rebbe, whose whole Sheifa was that we have to bring Mashiach by doing good works, or dedicating this in the memory of the uh, Yesoit Tzadik Olam, the Tzadik Hador, who understood the importance of rebuilding Klal Yisrael after the Holocaust like no one else. And in to the Mashiach, woe is to that generation. They call Hador Yehudzufim Everyone in that generation before the onset of the Mashiach will be chatzufim. They'll be azas ponim. They'll be brazen. Batishkach Torah. And Torah will be forgotten. Ve'ein doresh, ve'ein mevakesh. Oh my gosh, when I read that, I, I choked up. You could be learning all the Torah you want and you can spit it out and you can be, you know, a walking encyclopedia. But ain doresh ve ain mavakesh. What does that mean? The hamit oire libobator. No one is being aroused by the excitement and by the beauty through doresh. Digging deeper with your critical faculties, your knife, your critical tools, because you realize that the Torah is a treasure. And the deeper you dig, with the sharper the knife, the deeper it reveals its treasures. Ain Dorush, the Ain Mavakesh, nobody's asking the right questions anymore. Yichien Nivaze Vichalishi, Vailodor Hahu, Oi to that generation. Oi Lodorahu Kishayavu Oisadar. Okay, so Rabbi Elezer, and this is the Rabbi Akiva who was smiling on the temple after the destruction because he not only saw that the foxes were walking over the temple, but he also then said, if the foxings are walking, right, the last three psukim in Eicha, al shualim, if the foxes are walking over the sacred ground, shualim hilchuvo. But then he said, but if that's the case, therefore, if that prophecy is fulfilled, then the prophecy of the return to Tzion will be fulfilled. So he had a shmeichel on his face. But here he says, I am crying because before that Ikvazer the Mashiach comes, there will be a door that is so bereft of spirituality. So Rabbi Elezer wants to comfort him and says, you're right. If that's the case, then that generation cannot sustain itself spiritually. You have to go to a cheder and listen to the kinderlach just screaming the Tanakh and the Mishnah, the Hevel Pihem, the vapor that emerges from these kinderlach that can give you some kind of comfort. And now he says something very profound that I want to bring to your attention. That only happens as long as they are na'arim, nar. When they are a nar, they don't fear authority. They don't fear the Kohen Godel. When they are nar, there is a fresh kite to their looking at Torah, which somehow had inu kashishin, when they become crustaceous and old, then the Torah is forgotten from them, not just in terms of memory loss, that they, they lose the memory, but they lose the fresh kite. 
Hamaatik is divri Rabbi Eliezer may be right, and I'm going to bring you a proof to Rabbi Eliezer's comment about the freshness of Torah and the need for Torah to be completely fresh like a nar. Behold, the Omer of Yehuda, commercial Omer of Yehuda, my dechsev. Why? What does it say? When Hannah, the mother of Shmuel, goes back to Eli Hakoyen and begs for the life of Shmuel, he says, El Hanar Hazehit Palalti. Miloshan Ze Eno Mashmer Shehit Palal Yelo Ben. It should have said, Et Haben Hazehit Palalti. This is the punchline, the boy say. Why does she say es hanar hazehit palalt? I am praying for my son. So the answer here in the Zoyer is Omrochanu Akadosh Boruchu. Yehirot soin shebeshaa She wasn't just praying for a son. That wasn't enough for her when she went there to Shiloh. She she had grand designs for this child. So she's asking, and we need to ask. We must not settle just for progeny. When he grows, he will toil and horror and study and work hard in the divine worship, not in the cultic worship, but in the inner spiritual worship like now when he is a nar it could be that she had a boy already she had a son and now she's taking that son to him according to the zoya and says listen i'm not satisfied with this i don't want him just to be in the cheder with the hevel pm and then when he grows old he becomes crustaceous and he loses that power and that fight and that spiritual energy to work and mavakation doirish Torah. The Zer Why? Shenoladli Kvar. He was already born to me. I already had a physical son. That's not what I'm dubbing for. Hit That he will remain in his fresh kite, in his narus the way that he challenged the kahunim. And what do you need a kind for? Why didn't you learn it this way? He was doirish mavakesh. I think it was a dazzling zoyer that brings to bear onto this posuk, el his palalti, that we too have to daven, not only for our children, but for the inner child within each of us. The inner child in each of us gets old and crustaceous and becomes used to the daily sedra, the weekly sedra, and the weekly parshanut, and we just go through this without questioning with that doirish mavakesh, seeking answers, digging deeper, cutting deeper, critically thinking. I think that that's what we're doing. And so to end up and to give Korach his rightful place, because in the future, labanatseach livnei Korach, Korach was a gehoiben yid, according to the Hasidic tradition. We may say in his honor and in his memory that when he looked down the generations to Shmuel Hanovi and saw that Shmuel was placed on equal level with Moshe and Aaron in Psalm 99, as we sing, 
Moshe v'yadon v'koi, u'shmuel v'koi. Why on the same madrega? Koirach saw something that the others did to see. He saw that Shmuel's ethos, and God says to Jeremiah, just one man, if you bring me just Shmuel, it won't be enough. Kick him out of Eretz Yisrael. Why? Because God is telling to Jeremiah, they've lost that frishkeit. They've lost that doireshim avakesh. That may be to mitigate the pshat against Koirach, to realize that on the deepest level, as the Arizal says, this whole thing between Koirach and Shmuel and Chana is all a recycling of Adam and Chava. And we don't have to go into that, but the, the Arizal sees beyond Koirach as Koirach. Koirach isn't Koirach. He's a recycled soul who will then come back later on, both in Shmuel and in the future. We may all be Zoycha to learn from the lessons that the Zoyer is telling us that we should all keep digging to prevent not just the senility of memory itself, which is grabbing me, but also to keep our fresh kite in Torah. Have a wonderful week.